Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Coming up in just a bit on the podcast, Chancellor Robert Jones talks about what it's going to take to get the U of I rolling again for students, faculty, and staff in the age of COVID. Stay tuned for that. But first, Dr. Allison Arwoody, the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health, held her weekly press conference earlier today and talked about adding states to the city's quarantine list. We want to get back to a point where we can go below 200 cases a day again and start going even lower and start being able to think about further reopening instead of the space that we're in right now, which is more a space of concern, potentially needing to pull back. We can do this. We flattened the curve before. We can do it again. So what do we need to know about the state of the pandemic here in our area? Heather Sharon of WTTW is on the line right now with some answers. Heather, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. All right, so let's get right into this. Uh, there was a lot of concern that it, there may be other states, including Indiana, and, and some that share our border that would be included in the latest uh, quarantine list, but just Puerto Rico. Just Puerto Rico. And we got a little bit of a glimmer of hope for Iowa, Utah, um, and um, they are seeing cases drop. So they are may come off the quarantine order next week, Dr. Arwady said. So it's clear that some states are beginning to make at least moderate progress in stopping the spread of the coronavirus. Yeah, when we remind us too, what goes into the decision to add a state or a territory to the quarantine order? So the metric that the Department of Health is using is whether these states have more than 15 cases per day per 100,000 residents. And by comparison, Chicago is at about 10 cases per day per 100,000 residents. So that gives you a sense of sort of what the difference is and sort of where the concern would be if Chicago also hits hits that level. And the the other issue and I thought this was fascinating what she uh, the, the Dr. Arwady said this morning just that we are seeing confirmed cases that are coming from states. I mean that that is something that is realistic that is happening uh, in the city of Chicago. That's right. She said that the um, Department of Health has been able to confirm about five dozen cases of people who have traveled to some of these states and then come back and then diagnosed with coronavirus. One of those people includes a teen who traveled to a Nevada hockey tournament, as well as a woman who traveled to a wedding in Georgia and then came back and was Mm. diagnosed with the coronavirus. So the issue is, is that if these people come back to Chicago and they don't realize that they've been exposed, they can expose any number of people if they're just going about their their normal life, like going to the grocery store or, you know, going out to eat or going to a bar or what have you. Mm -hmm. So that's what the quarantine is is really designed to stop. You know, we're so local here and I love it, but we're so local (laughs) that but Chicago's on a lot of other states and cities quarantine lists as well. Uh, You know, we we high profile states like New York and New York City, but there are others, too, that it's it's surprising to me because this is such a big city that we're not on everybody's list. 
Right. And it's a little bit because what we've seen is an increase, the increase, certainly we're experiencing one here in Chicago, but the much bigger increases are in uh, rural parts of not only Illinois, but other rural parts of the United States. So that's a huge change from what we were talking about back in March and April and May, where really it was urban centers that were the epicenters of this outbreak. Right. right. So let's talk about where we are right now with the numbers in Chicago. How many cases per day are we having right now? So we are averaging 273 cases per day in Chicago. And that is up significantly over the past month. And we heard Dr. Arwitty talk about how we're experiencing a slow, steady increase for about a month now. So what the city would like to see is to see that number drop back below 200 cases per day. That's really the metric that the city has been using to say, okay, we've, we're doing pretty well. We've got it under control. Mm -hmm. Now, if the city reaches 400 cases per day, that's when you're going to start yeah, right. to see more closures. And that's, and that's also the number that's used uh, with Chicago public schools. There's, there's a lot of numbers that or a lot of institutions that are tied to that 400 number uh, that's been thrown about. Dr. Arwady mentioned a, a number of things that people should be doing to prevent the spread of the virus, but one of them featured a statistic that might be surprising to some. Let's listen to that. By and large, the number one risk factor is exposure within the household. It is 10 times the risk of acquiring COVID than any of the other exposures. And so I would ask you all, please, to think about ways that you can limit your close contacts. And by that, I mean the people who you don't keep distance from and you don't wear masks from. Mm. Ten times the risk. That's huge. Right. What, well, a, what does that mean? Well, it means that you have to be very careful about who you let into your bubble. So uh, Dr. Arwady has talked before about creating a bubble of sort of your family, your closest friends, people that you will be within six feet of without a mask on for an extended period of time, which is, you know, more than 10 minutes. So if you're at home and you feel comfortable with the people around you, you're going to relax that sort of hand washing, that social distancing, that mask wearing, right? That only makes mm -hmm. sense. But if somebody in that bubble isn't following those same rules, maybe they went to a party, maybe they went out to a bar, yeah. maybe they, right. you know, did whatever, that's how you can get infected. And you might not be doing anything quote unquote wrong, but, you know, as you expand your circle, it opens up ways for the virus to reach you. And this is a big change, again, from a couple months ago, where we saw most of the spread in workplaces and long-term care facilities and places like the Cook County Jail. Those outbreaks are, are, are basically under control, we heard from Dr. Arwady this morning. So it's people at home and people socializing that are most at risk. One of the other areas that, that she mentioned was just social gatherings. I mean, there was a story this week, uh, I think it was yesterday, about uh, the city, uh, I guess you'd say raiding or shutting down a, a warehouse in West Humboldt Park. And, and there seems to be a, a, a renewed crackdown of parties and social gatherings, because as she mentions, this is, that's a big part of what's happening. The social gatherings are, are what is spreading this. 
That's right. And when you have these unregulated parties and this this party didn't have a liquor license, they didn't have, you know, a permit to be having that many people, um, you're not going to have the ability or somebody there who's like, wait a minute, here's some hand sanitizer, here's a mask, you know, stay six feet away from each other. So those parties are really what the city is saying is is the most dangerous right now because the city can't regulate them. That was what I was going to ask. I mean, what yeah. can they do? Do they issue fines? Uh, do they lock it down? Do they? We know right. what they do with bars and restaurants that break uh, regulation. But what do you do for people who, who break rules on these quarantine orders? Well, the city said they shut the party down and that they issued a bunch of fines to the organizers. And they are asking people to call 311, to call 911 when they see these sort of parties advertised or you see them happening, because that way they can, you know, send people out and get a hold of it before more people are exposed. This is, of course, tied to the demographic shifts that we're seeing with COVID-19, the greatest numbers in new cases, uh, 18 to 29 years old. Is that trend continuing? I mean, is that is that really when you can draw a straight line to the idea of of who socially gathers and and that demographic? That's right, because we are not seeing older people being diagnosed with the virus in the way that we were in March and April and May. We are seeing younger people diagnosed with the virus, which means that hospitalizations and deaths are blessedly still flat. But the fear is is that what will happen in Illinois is what has happened in other states is the young people will come home, they'll visit their grandma, they'll visit their great uncle, they'll visit whoever, and those people will get sick and need to be hospitalized and some of them will die. And then you'll start seeing those hospitalizations and deaths drive up. I always wish we have better, more positive conversations, Heather. <laughs> I always love talking to you on the radio, and and but this today was a I never a had somber, anything right? good to tell you. Never, yes. Heather Sharon, a political reporter at WTTW, joining us. Heather, thanks so much. Happy to do it, Justin. Things are ramping up in Champaign-Urbana for the University of Illinois fall semester. Students, faculty, and staff have been told that those classes will be in person. One detail we have heard, those who are regularly on campus need to be tested for COVID-19 twice a week. Joining us now with more details on what the fall semester will look like is University of Illinois Chancellor Robert Jones. Chancellor Jones, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be with you and hope you and the family and your listeners are safe. Thank you. Uh, what, what can students and faculty expect when the fall semester resumes coming up here on August 24th? Well, they can expect a much different campus environment than ever has been experienced before in uh, the 152 years of the history of this university. Uh, we have been working for the last several months to make sure that we could adhere to the core principle we established of returning to some version of face-to-face instruction, and ours would be a hybrid version. Mm-hmm where no class over uh, 50 uh, students will be, all of those classes over 50 will be online. And uh, those that are less than 50 will be in classrooms that practice social distancing where the instructor and all of the students will be at least six feet apart. We're requiring people to wear face covering. We're requiring them to be tested uh, very early before the first day of class. 
and we're requiring them to adhere to social distancing because our data clearly shows. And as you said, we're going to be testing twice per week. Twice per week. I mean, really. Uh, in your intro. Chancellor, when, when we talk about testing, and, you know, that's going to start on August 10th for faculty and staff, on the 16th for right. students, the, the doors open on the 24th. But, you know, as you mentioned in your communications, just this, this was, you, you really see the University of Illinois being a global leader when it comes to precautions and getting the student body and, and the staff ready for COVID-19. We certainly do, because we are blessed by having some of the most innovative faculty in the world, and we called upon them to come up with a uh, strategy that would allow us to reopen in the safest way possible, because, as I said, the health and safety of our faculty and staff and students is our utmost concern. And so they've come up with this uh, innovative, one-of-a-kind saliva-based testing, where you basically uh, drool into a test tube. It avoids a lot of the steps with the nasal pharyngeal. First of all, it doesn't require a uh, trained medical person to administer the test. Prevents fewer opportunities for the people that are handling the samples to become contaminated. It goes directly from uh, dribbling into a test tube at uh, some special uh, buffers and re- uh, chemicals, and then you heat it, and then it goes directly into RT-PCR. So it's fast, it's reliable, it's scalable, and it's affordable. So that's why, unlike many places, we are going to be doing surveillance-based testing twice a week because our modeling done by our faculty as well clearly shows that that's the best way to mitigate spread of the of the virus uh, once we return to our hybrid version of education uh, on uh, August 24th. It's amazing to have a conversation to think that, you know, because there's going to be, what, 12 tw- testing sites set up across campus. There are going to be more testing sites than, than libraries, just <laughs> the idea that the campus <laughs> well, experience will be different. So far. That may be up as many as 20 by the time we're done. But from your, your experience as being the chancellor, but also just in, in higher education, the idea that a testing a facility is going to become the norm. I mean, it's going to become the reality on college campuses across the world. It's got to, it's got to, it's got to be a, a, a new reality for you. It is a new reality. Never have experienced anything like this, but I can tell you myself, my provost, who's been driving a lot of these efforts, uh, this testing is what gives us the degree of assurance that if you combine it with the contact tracing, the social distancing, the wearing, the facial coverings, that we have the ability, perhaps more so than any of our peers, uh, to open safely. In fact, uh, someone said that if University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign can't open safely, then probably no one can open <laughs> safely. And well, so that's a great vote of confidence. And uh, we're going to be doing all we can to make sure that our students understand that by deciding to come back to campus, that they are also accepting responsibility for their own behavior, but more importantly, for protecting others by doing the things that we are absolutely mandating them to do. We just had a conversation uh, about Dr. Arwady, the Chicago Director of Public Health here, uh, her press conference this morning, where she talked about needing to crack down on social gatherings, that the demographic, the 18 to 29-year-old, is is maybe not taking this as serious as others, that there are social gatherings that are where they're finding many cases uh, and and positive yes. cases. When it comes to running a university uh, where the student body is going to be in that demographic, 
How do, how do you see it? I mean, do you have to think differently about uh, about social gatherings and, and what happens on campus? We have to think differently and have to require our students to act differently. And the first thing that we are doing, as I said, we're setting out expectations of the kind of behavior that we expect out of them. As a part of our testing protocol, you would have to uh, be tested when you're supposed to be tested because it's going to be linked to an app or like a boarding pass where you have to show whether or not you've been approved mm-hmm. to enter our classrooms or not based on uh, your COVID-19 status or some other associated entity. Maybe you didn't miss the test date. Maybe that may be something else. But it's all going to be oh, confidential. Wow. But you're absolutely right. We have to make sure that we are modifying behavior. And we've been working through our university housing and student affairs office, working with uh, off-campus housing, working with the fraternities and sororities uh, to make sure people understand you have to wear masks anytime that you, even uh, as you in classroom, is required. If you're moving between classes, it's required. If you're out on the quad and you cannot maintain social distancing of six feet, it's absolutely going to be required. And we're going to be encouraging people to wear a mask at all times. Mm-hmm. We're going to be strongly discouraging your typical social gatherings because it's going to be uh, reflected in our dining hall and the other events that we have on campus. All of them have been redesigned to adhere to the state and the CDC guidelines, and we are going to have a social norm campaign that's going to be designed to help our students understand what behavior is expected of them. And we, I have to add, we've been working with the cities of uh, uh, Urbana and Champaign. They've been working with the restaurants and bar owners. And they've been absolutely wonderful at this point and understanding the consequences and the role that they must play as well mm. in helping keep this broader community safe. So students are going to come back to a much different environment, unfortunately, with more restrictions. But it's all about trying to uh, provide an environment that is healthy and as safe as possible so we can deliver on that world-class education that they expect out of us as a world-class university. Chancellor Jones, just to, as we wrap up here, just a quick answer to, I would I would assume enrollment sure. is down and, and students have the option to opt out. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. Uh, because that's, that's a trend uh, all across the country, all across the world. We have, we suspect that things uh, will not be, I mean, there will probably won't be as many students, and we have some thoughts about what it might look like for resident students versus uh, non-residents and international students, and we are giving students the option to come back or to study remotely, okay. so there more than likely would be somewhat of a decline. Uh, the student population on campus, and uh, but we don't know exactly what that is going to look like until August 24th, and really uh, about uh, a few days after that as well when we get our final numbers in. But it's still going to be an amazing and dynamic learning environment, but it's going to be much different than what students have experienced in the past, and uh, we are going to be all responsible for keeping each other safe. Chancellor Jones, I'm going to call you in a month. We're going to talk, we have the same conversation in a month after you guys open, and I want to see how it goes. The University of Illinois Chancellor Robert Jones joining us here on Reset today. Thanks so much for taking some time out. Appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you in a month or so.
And that's today's reset for the conversations around Chicago news, arts, and culture. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and tell your friends. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening to Reset from WBEZ Chicago. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.